Warning, this article is a first-hand account of the Rwandan genocide. It includes descriptions of loss of life and other potentially distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. Shaped by Hardships, the Story of a Rwandan Genocide Survivor by Angelique Faraha. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes. Psalm 91, 7, 8, New International Version. My name is Angelique Farah. I'm originally from Rwanda, a central East African country. I want to share my story of how I survived the 1994 Rwandan genocide against Tutsis. I was initially angry at God for allowing us to go through this catastrophic cruelty, but I came back to the Creator. I grew up in a loving and caring family of seven, dad, mom, three sisters, and one brother, plus me, the firstborn. We were members of a Protestant church, and my parents were true believers who taught us that we belonged to a loving God at an early age. The true love I saw between my parents, the laughter and the joyful family moments, are childhood memories that often play in my mind. However, these happy moments vanished on Sunday, April 17, 1994, when I lost both my parents and all my siblings. I am the only one who survived this genocide. I was 17 years old. This has left me empty, depressed, lonely and devastated, morally and physically. That day I lost hope in people and God. The genocide started right after the shooting of the plane that belonged to Juvenal Habiaramana, the former president of Rwanda, who died instantly on April 6, 1994. This event triggered a lot of anger, and the next day the killings of Tutsi started. I saw anger, hate, and atrocities beyond my understanding, and it was like watching a live horror movie. When the killings started, my father insisted, Let's flee to the church. Based on a past experience I had, no one kills a person who escapes into a holy place. So we left our home during the night and fled to the nearest Catholic church, two kilometers away. The church was full of people who had fled from various parts of the country. I think about 5,000 people managed to cram into that small building. We couldn't sleep and didn't have any food, water, or electricity since the power utility company had cut off service to make us suffer more. During the two weeks spent in that church before the killers came, we lived in extreme fear of death every single minute because of the church's surrounding areas the tutsis were slaughtered with traditional weapons and machetes they were burnt alive and children were removed from their mothers backs and thrown in the lake kivu i started questioning my dad if we were safe knowing all those killings were happening so close to us i could see on his face that he was discouraged but he courageously told me that god would save us since I trusted him, I tried to be strong. Unfortunately, around 2 p.m. that Sunday, we saw a multitude of killers running toward us, very fast, singing a song in my mother tongue, Ayi to Batsam Batsam B, which means, let's exterminate them. For me, that Sunday was the end of the world. The church was too small to hold all the refugees inside, so many people were gathered on the balcony outside. The murderers started to shoot them one by one. It took around two hours for them to kill them all and reach where we were sitting. 
They immediately shot my two-year-old little brother, who died right away. The rest of us ran separately inside the church, and people were falling upon one another, saying with a loud voice, We are dying! We are dying! At that time, the killers stopped following us into the church, fearing that people inside might have weapons to protect themselves. This gave us a little chance to catch our breath, and I found myself with my sister next to me, along with my mom and dad, in one of the church rooms. We were speechless and confused, waiting to be killed like the others. Surprisingly, my dad turned his eyes to me as if something was telling him I would survive this genocide. He told me, My daughter, if you get a chance to survive, please go to school and be successful. Also, please give your life to God so that I can see you again one day in heaven. After these words, the killers poured gas through the window to set everything on fire. The flames instantly claimed my sister, who was sitting closer to the window, and she was consumed along with many other people. I can't explain how I escaped those flames. I pushed to get out of that room, far from the window, looking for a safer place. The gas was the only weapon that caused us to leave that church. From that time, I never saw my parents and siblings again. In front of me, three people were cut in two by killers wielding machetes. I felt it was my turn next to die. I closed my eyes and raised my hands to ask for forgiveness. Instead, I received a hard and painful blow to my head, as if from a rock, and it left a big wound in the middle of my head. I was also attacked with a machete. It chopped my fingers, slashed the right side of my forehead, and left a cut above my knee. It just so happened that another person was killed and fell on me, preventing the attackers from knowing I was still alive. I shed a lot of blood, and I always asked myself how I did not die at that time. But I get the answer from Psalm 91, 7, 8. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes. New International Version. The following day, I found myself in a high school compound run by nuns. I also found other people who had come to seek refuge. The genocide lasted 100 days. I got tired and felt like I couldn't bear the daily pain. I jumped whenever I came across dead bodies and I couldn't eat because of the painful wounds. The overwhelming situation was when my head and finger wounds got infected and produced maggots due to the lack of medication. One morning, the killers came to hunt us using dogs. They discovered so many people in the bush right behind that high school. I shouted, I am here and ready to die. One of the killers saw me and recognized me. We had been classmates in elementary school. He said, Angelique, are you here too? He told the other killers to line the other victims up and throw them into the lake. He also assured his colleagues that he wanted to kill me, adding that his parents and mine were enemies and he had to take revenge. However, it turned out he wanted to save me. He brought me to a big forest and put me in an uninhabited house. For about one month, no one else entered that house. This former classmate would routinely kill during the daytime and bring me food late at night. I always ask myself how God could use a person like him to save my life. It is hard to understand God's way. When he heard that the Rwandan Patriotic Front, RPF, the current Rwandan government, had taken over the country to protect Tutsis, he fled Rwanda to neighboring Congo. RPF stopped the genocide. The killings stopped, and I decided to return to my parents' home. 
alone with no help to provide for my needs and unable to cook because of my wounds, my life became very complicated. But by his grace, God put a friend in my path who was one year older than me. She loved me and treated me like her own sister. She understood my story and felt deeply touched. God used her to lead me to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. At that time, I didn't like anyone talking about a loving God, because in my mind I saw him as responsible for the genocide, and I had stopped going to church. But even though my heart was bitter, I accepted my friend's invitation to attend church because I didn't want to disappoint her. When I got there, I was touched by the sermon. I went back the next day as it was camp meeting. The preacher explained the source of evil and suffering, the wickedness of human nature, and the way God gave away his son Jesus to come and die to earn my pardon. I then understood the real source of genocide, and the perfect image of God began to be restored in my mind. I attended church regularly, and that pastor's family became my best friends and supported me morally and financially. Later, before I went to university, I decided to give my life to Jesus and was baptized. I received the assurance of eternal life. This pastor blessed my wedding, and he also lives here in Canada. I thank God for his family and my friend who led me to the church again. My friend's family adopted me and loved me like their own. Through their selflessness, I found family, love, and joy again, and this kind of love strengthened my faith because I saw God through them. The goodness of God kept following me. I went back to high school, and later I completed my bachelor's degree at the National University of Rwanda, where I met the love of my life during my first year. He was in his last year of medical school. Two years later, we got married. My husband and I formed a joyful and Christian journey of this life together, and God blessed us with five beautiful children, four girls and one boy, just as my parents' children. God restored what I had lost. My father had wanted me to be successful, and I got the opportunity to do my master's degree in Germany. I was happy to see my father's dream come true. We belong to an amazing father. Miraculously, he brought my whole family to Canada a few years ago. Looking back, I can conclude, like in Job 42.5, that my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. New International Version. God has blessed the latter part of my life more than the former part. I would like to tell anyone reading my testimony that whatever you're going through, take heart and be strong. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave or forsake you. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. New International Version. Be strong. If God has been so good to me this way, he will be good to you as well. Remember that one day God will wipe away all tears and sorrow and death will be no more. Revelation 21.4 We must encourage ourselves in the Lord. I pray for you to have the same hope and faith.